Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, and I am excited because I have my boys back with me, both of them. The three Musketeers were back together, Mello sitting across from me and our buddy Connor back on the show after uh, some vacation, some Rose Bowl time. You've been all over the country, buddy, but it is so good to have you back. Yeah, man, it was a great time. It was a nice little break, but I, I truly missed the show. Like I was starting to really chomp at the bit with all the coaching firings, all the coaching interviews, plenty going on in the college football world. So as I listened to you guys, I had serious FOMO kick in, but that's going to go away soon because Matt's going to be in New York this week, which is going to be a lot of fun during one of the busiest times of the NFL offseason. Which has my FOMO kicking in. (laughs) What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, uh, we will be together soon, boys. Mobile is coming up before too long. Uh, We have a great show I'm excited because it's Mock Draft Monday, and that means we're going to redraft the 2018 draft. I intentionally gave Melo the number one pick because I want to see if he can draft Baker Mayfield or not. Like, you're, TBD. you're the Browns. TBD, we'll see what happens. It could change. We're also going to break down Alabama-Clemson. I'm excited for that. We'll talk a lot about Justin Fields, Cliff Kingsbury, some of the moves happening around the, the league and the country right now. But I do want to start there. I want to start with Alabama-Clemson. And I know that some of you listening to this have probably tuned it out. It's probably like the Patriots. Like, you just don't care anymore. We get it. They're good. Alabama is fantastic. I think Nick Saban's the greatest coach in college football history. Dabo Sweeney's done an amazing job at Clemson, making them a national contender. But this game will not be boring. I promise you. This will not be Alabama-LSU. This will be an exciting football game dominated by two of the most fantastic young quarterbacks I've ever seen in college. Trevor Lawrence is a freshman, a true freshman, Tua Tungavailoa, true sophomore, and great defenses. I want to know what you guys feel. We're going to pick the game. But when I was watching film and making notes about this ball game, the thing that stands out to me, and it's a little bit obvious, but I think the game revolves around Quinn and Williams, number 92 for Alabama, defensive tackle, and his ability to get to Trevor Lawrence. The Cle- Clemson is amazing. I actually think skill players, they match up very well with Alabama. They have corners that can cover Jerry Judy. They have good safety prospects. They can cover Irv Smith. I don't know if they have anyone in the interior of that offensive line who can shut down Quentin Williams. 
Well, I will say that I don't know that anybody in college football does. <laughs> right. So maybe but, that's not a knock. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't take it as a knock. Clemson's very good in their experience throughout that whole offensive line. Uh, but you're right. Getting to Trevor Lawrence is going to be key to them and trying to knock him off his spot. We saw how he responded early in the year when he did get hit. I know uh, everybody thought he broke his neck on the <laughs> sideline. Right. Turns out the guy came right back in for the next week and was able to play. But you're right. Going up against this Clemson team is going to be tough for Quentin Williams, I think. And I also think the Alabama offense is going to really have its hands full. This is the best defense that they've faced all year long. And I know that they play in the SEC and everybody wants to talk up SEC defenses. But Clemson has the number two scoring defense in the entire nation. This is an incredible defense loaded at every level. Alabama is going to have their hands full. No doubt, and we've seen Tua found his kryptonite a little bit against Georgia, and I, I know he got banged up, but that was a really rough first half. It doesn't get easier right now. The, this Clemson defense is loaded. They got experience up front. They got some hungry guys up front that came back to school for a national title. When you look at Cleland Farrell, he was probably going in the first round last year. When you look at Christian Wilkins, he had a shot to go in the first round last year. So they said, screw all that. We want a championship. We don't need to go to the league right now. So I think that experience does matter in this game. I think this is a really tough matchup for Tua. Alabama with Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris, those guys can run the ball all day, and they got tons of playmakers on the defense. I think both of you make up a a great point that Quinton Williams hasn't been stopped all year. This won't be the game that he's stopped in. He's going to get his, but can you limit it? Can you get Trevor Lawrence moving away from him? Can he make a play? Will T. Higgins and Amari Rogers and all those guys, that all those skill players they have, will they be able to get separation quick enough where it can kind of, you know, limit that Alabama defensive line. I look at this game and, and I, I think Clemson covers and I think the safe pick is a Clemson cover Alabama win. I'm not going with the safe pick. I think Clemson upsets Alabama. I think they are ready for this game. I think they have the leadership in this game and, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, but I think Trevor Lawrence and that crew is going to show that they're going to be a problem for the next three years. And I'm, I'm with you, Connor. I am rooting for Clemson. Uh, I think it's going to be a much closer game than the Vegas odds right now. It's five and a half for Alabama. Uh, they should cover that. I Yeah, I, I definitely think they will. I think this is going to be like a three or four point game. You talk about the guys getting separation, those talented Clemson receivers. But another matchup that we need to talk about is Cleveland Farrell against Jonah Williams. Oh, it's scout. Oh, yes. Those are two of the guys best at their position. And then we're going to have, I know, a lot of good interior matchups. But if you want to get a good look of can Jonah Williams play tackle in the NFL, Cleveland Farrell is a top 10 edge rusher in this class. And he's going to get a good look tonight. Well, and also I would say um, on the Clemson side, you have Christian Wilkins, who has been a hot name in college football for four years. He opted to go back to school. Him against Ross Pierschbacher, the mm-hmm. Alabama center. That's a hell of a matchup, too. So I, I, I'll give my pick last. Mello, are you taking Clemson? You've been leaning that way all week. I'm rooting for Clemson, <laughs> but I still don't know if they if they can win. Nick Saban is just a, a god of a football coach. I I would pick Alabama. If I were betting on it, I would pick Alabama to win. But I will be rooting for Clemson. All right. Like I said, to me, this comes down to Quentin Williams and his ability to get home and frustrate Trevor Lawrence to shut down the run game of Travis Etienne, and I think he can do it. I haven't watched Clemson all year long. They have an athletic but kind of small offensive line. I think Quentin is the disruptor. He uh, Two is going to be the MVP. But I think Quinn and Williams, the difference maker. I also, Connor kind of mentioned this with the run game. Between Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, and Najee Harris, I don't know that Clemson 
can keep pace with those guys because they, no one ever gets tired because they just throw another guy in there. It's ridiculous. It's unfair. So I am going to pick Alabama. I think it will be a close game. And it's fantastic, too. These coaches know so much about each other at this point. There are no surprises. It just comes down to talent at this point. And I, I do think Alabama has more talent, but I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson won. I, no, I guess not if, I, at all. if I could hedge, I would say I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, and the people that do say they have Alabama and Clemson fatigue, like, get the hell out of here. These are two <laughs> great football teams. What? And I think Dabo Sweeney summed it up the best. Like, what do you want to do? You want to go back to the old style where they just elect who won the national championship like they did before the BCS came out? Like, these are the best teams. They deserve the right to be there. Get out of here with the not, fatigue talk. Clemson whipped the shit out of Notre Dame. Like they've earned this spot. Heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, without a doubt, they earned this spot. A team that might be in this college football playoff as soon as their new quarterback is eligible is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ryan Day gets his first huge recruit. Justin Fields leaves Georgia, goes to Ohio State. As of now, uh, as we're sitting here, we're recording Sunday night. We don't know if he's going to be eligible for 2019. He has to get a waiver. It's a complicated system where he basically has to show cause for leaving Georgia and getting beat by Jake Fromm is not cause. You have to have a, <laughs> right. more of a reason than that to leave. Uh, I'm intrigued by Justin Fields. I know you guys have actually seen more of him than I have, um, especially on like the, the high school recruiting circuits and, and the bit of time he got on the field for Georgia this year. I'm excited because I think he's a great fit there. And he was, uh, I believe, he's the number two quarterback in that class behind Trevor Lawrence. So he's obviously he pretty ended, talented. Yeah. He ended up number one at the very end, which is just goes to show you that, I mean, we've seen how good Trevor Lawrence is. Fields jumped him towards the end of that recruiting cycle. I, I think this is a home run landing spot. It's crazy to say this about a player that hasn't really played meaningful snaps yet. It would almost be a surprise if Fields doesn't win a Heisman with Ryan Day. That's how good of a pairing this is. Now, it's going to have tough competition across the country all the time, but if you're a Buckeyes fan, I know there was a lot of excitement around Tate Martell. I'm very curious, like you said, Matt, about how this waiver situation plays out because if Fields can play right away, does that have a trickle effect where Tate Martell looks to transfer? He's going to go back to somewhere in Texas. I think it 100% has a trickle effect because he's already tweeted about uh, the Justin Fields situation and how he's not guaranteed to be the starter there. I don't. I mean, maybe that is Tate Martell saying he's going to stay and he's going to compete. It, but I going back to Justin Fields, I love his fit in this this offense. I know Ryan Day was he kind of had Haskins in a role where he was more of a pocket passer, but I don't think that's their offense. I think Justin Fields is a guy who's a lot more athletic than Haskins is, and you're going to see him running the ball a lot more. It's it's going to be JT Barrett plus Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball. Like it's those two quarterbacks combined into one. He's going to be electric there. I mean, I was going to point out Dwayne Haskins hasn't declared for the draft yet. Yeah, and I would think that he's, he's going. going. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. right. He, you would think at this point he's going, but it's just like it hasn't happened yet. So it's a little weird that like they have all these guys right now uh, on roster and kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen with Haskins. But I, I think we've all heard through the grapevine it, it's going to happen. I mean, he wouldn't make that same mistake twice, right? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I would definitely wouldn't think so. So it is interesting. Justin Fields got to pick where he's going. Cliff Kingsbury, not so much. This is a fascinating story, uh, and it just goes to show how backward things can be at times. Kingsbury gets fired by Texas Tech, and he very quickly takes a job as the offensive coordinator at USC. We all on the show 
were critical of this. Like, why would you take a job so fast when everyone knows you're going to have some NFL offers? Well, guess what? Connor's Jets and the Arizona Cardinals wanted to talk to Kingsbury for the head coaching job, not a coordinator job, not a quarterback's coach, head coach. And he can't take the interview because USC is blocking it. So F Lynn Swan, number one for doing this. But I also understand it because you are recruiting kids right now and they believe they're going to play for Cliff Kingsbury. And that's the hard part of this because the players get locked in and they, you might get to transfer, but you have to sit a year. It's, it's wild how this happens. I don't even know where to start to dive into this thing. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, you don't take that job if you are interested in interviewing for other jobs. Everybody knew that the NFL was going to come knocking on his door. If his agent didn't know that, then that agent needs fired because we sitting here knew like, oh, okay, he's going to have some opportunity in the NFL. And at that time, I thought it was going to be for offensive coordinator. I job. did too. But now people are coming and they're saying, we want to interview you for the head coaching job. So maybe you should have pumped the old brakes there, Cliff. This is all your fault. <laughs> also, I, yep. USC has got to let their guy interview. If it were any other offensive coordinator, if it were the guy they had there last year, T. Martin, and an NFL team comes and says, we want to interview him for a head coaching job, you have to do right by your guy. Even if he's been there for a month, you let him interview for a head coaching job anywhere. Anywhere else, because right now he is only your offensive coordinator. There is so much to unpack here, but number one being, I think a lot of people are questioning, well, did they just block it because Cliff wants to stay there? No, because Cliff could have declined the interview. That Matt Campbell did that from Iowa State for the Jets. As soon as the Jets reached out, he said, no, I'm happy here. I'm not interviewing for the NFL. Because if you're a college coach, especially a college head coach, totally different from a coordinator, that starts interviewing and it gets real loud. Like you guys said, it affects recruiting. Remember Matt rule interviewed for the Colts job last year yep. and quick and quickly after it came out that Matt rule was happy staying at Baylor, that he wasn't interested in coaching the NFL. You could take that however you want it. It was probably that Matt rule was not in the running for that job at the end of the day. Although I heard he did interview very well it's that it's a PR cover up to show that, hey, I'm committed to the school, continue recruiting, all of that. And here we are the next year again. Things are quiet around rule. No one knows if he's going to take interviews or not for an NFL head coaching job. Spoiler alert, I think he will. But back to Kingsbury, this is fascinating to me that they blocked him because at the end of the day, he can just walk away from this job. It, he's being paid by Texas Tech quite nicely. He has, I think, two years left on that contract, which was a head coaching contract. If he interviews for these NFL head coaching jobs and doesn't get one, and trust me, these teams are not just talking to him to pick his brain. I saw that floated out there. That's not the case at all. He's a legitimate head coaching candidate because of his offensive play calling ability and ability to work with quarterbacks. He'll get an offensive coordinator job with an NFL team if he, if he doesn't get the head coaching job. So all the chips are in Cliff's hand here right now. He can control this. If he wants to walk away from USC, which isn't a great look for any party involved, but at the end of the day, it screws USC, not Cliff Kingsbury. He easily can. Yeah, he can. It, I'm fascinated by it because we haven't seen anything like this, where uh, a guy's a coordinator in college in the 80s blocking him from taking a head coaching job in the NFL. It's unprecedented. It also speaks to where the NFL is right now, that if you 
are seen as an innovative offensive mind, people want to hire you because of Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, Kyle Shanahan, Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, the list goes on and on. Basically look at any team in the playoffs that's not the Patriots and you you see why this is happening. Uh, but it, it is is crazy that Kingsbury, to me, the crazy part is like you got fired at Texas Tech, which is like a middle of the Big 12 school. And now the NFL wants you and as a head coach. now you're like one of the hottest head coaching yeah. candidates in the league and nation. So maybe you should have waited on that job. I promised you guys a 2018 redraft from Mock Draft Monday, and God damn it, we're going to do a 2018 redraft. I'm excited, uh, mostly because uh, I did not get to pick for any of my favorite teams, so that's why I'm excited. But uh, I think what we're all patiently waiting for is what Mello will do as the GM of the Cleveland Browns, sitting on the board, number one overall. You could take any player that was drafted in the 2018 class, 256 picks. You could have any one of them. Who do you take as you're John Dorsey? Chew right. that gum, well, buddy. You're putting me on the spot here, too. And obviously the pick that the Browns took was they took Baker Mayfield. And I have been outspoken about maybe my dislike of Baker Mayfield. And I also had a little guy by the name of Sam Darnold was my number one quarterback going into that draft. For me, he's available today. And also, we've already seen what guys like Bradley Chubb can do. We can see what Denzel Ward does. Maybe I don't want a chance on missing him at four. Uh, so the pick for me today is actually going to be Baker Mayfield. Oh. Uh, I don't think you can go against it. He They needed a culture change there in Cleveland. And this dude, as much as I hate his antics, his personality, and just him as a human being, <laughs> it's working in Cleveland. And his personality is working, and it's working on the field. He looked very good this year. Uh, he shows you day in, day out what he can bring. And I think Cleveland loves it. I think his teammates are responding to it. And I think this is a team on the up and up. I think they are the hottest trending team in the NFL. Seven, eight, and one this year, which is wild considering they won one game in the last two years. And, and that Hugh Jackson was their coach still for some of right, those. Right. Uh, I, I'm with you on this. Uh, you make it complicated for me because now I get to be on the board at number two with the New York Giants. And I, I should say, we kept the draft order as it was the night of the draft with the trades that happened. So Connor will pick three as the Jets. You'll be back at four with the Browns and so on and so forth. So number two overall, the Giants took Saquon Barkley, who was my number one overall player. Possibly I, the rookie of the year. Possibly rookie of the year. And I said... This guy is a 9.0 on the grading scale of the draft, which is perfect. He is a perfect prospect at running back. Saquon Barkley was as close to a crush as I've ever had on a player. I'm going to take Sam Darnold, though. The Giants, I think we, in the benefit of 17 weeks of hindsight, can all sit back and say the Giants royally fucked up by not drafting a quarterback. They're stuck again one year later in the same shit with Eli Manning being a bad quarterback. And the 2019 draft class is not very good at that position. I would rather have Sam Darnold and then in the 2019 draft be able to get a pass rusher and in the second round be able to get a running back. Saquon Barkley is better than any running back in this draft tenfold. I believe that. But you don't need him if you have a good young quarterback that can get the ball out to those weapons. So, Connor, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm taking Sam Darnold. Well, Matt made the right choice, but also a big thanks to Matt for leaving me absolutely fucked here at number three for the Jets. But I did come up with something a little creative here, where if we knew that Teddy Bridgewater was healthy and the draft went like this, Baker Mayfield number one, Sam Darnold number two, and a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, I would take Bradley Chubb I like with it. this pick. 
and get a pass rusher that had double digit sacks this year. I mean, guess spoiler alert. He's really good. We're all really shocked. (laughs) The Jets haven't had a pass rusher since John Abraham, and that was in 2006. That's a long time ago. I was a freshman in high school. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, is Teddy Bridgewater this guy that's going to be a top 10 lights out quarterback? Not necessarily, but he's serviceable and it solves a big area of need for the Jets if they were left without that option. I thought about Josh Rosen here because you guys know how much I really liked him too. I don't think evaluating him in Arizona this year is possible with the you know surrounding talent or lack thereof. The coaching staff, there are question marks about Rosen, but we don't really know how that's going to play out, especially when they get someone in there, whether it's Adam Gase or whoever else is interviewing there. So I would go Bradley Chubb here. I think he would make the Jets a really much better defense, and they're going to spend a lot of money on pass rushers this offseason, but they wouldn't have had to done that if this situation played out like this. So, Connor, in this situation, say you had Teddy this year on a one-year deal as a free agent, and you drafted Bradley Chubb, the Jets picked third again, the 2019 draft. Would you take Dwayne Haskins? Oh, man. If he's there, yes, I would have taken Dwayne. That's tough. So Teddy would have gotten a start this year. And if he was really good and you felt like you, you know, you got him back on a market deal or an okay deal, whether the Case Keenum deal, the Blake Bortles deal, some money like that, I would think about Jonah Williams. But realistically, when it comes down to you, you have to think long, long term. And and I would probably go with Haskins in that spot. Let's just say they're very lucky things played out the way they did. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Mello, you were back on the clock. The Browns at number four. They took Denzel Ward. He's still on the board for you. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways I can go here, obviously. I think one huge need for the Cleveland Browns is the offensive line. And I think the best rookie in the NFL right now is still available for me. And Quentin Nelson, we saw him play this weekend. It was absolutely ridiculous the way that he was able to own guys like Jadavion Clowney. But I still don't really value the guard position at number four. I think it worked great for the Colts. So I am actually going to stay with what the Browns did. I love Denzel Ward. I loved him going into last year's draft. I know he had some injury problems, but they have everything you need to succeed in football right now. And they can go address the offensive line later. They have a guy who I think is going to be a shutdown corner and you have your marquee franchise quarterback now. Okay. I want to ask you because the move, a lot of people thought they should have made on draft night was uh, the way it went. People thought they should have taken Saquon Barkley at one and Baker Mayfield at four. And uh, I've talked to a lot of people in the NFL, triple quadruple confirmed this, that that could have happened. The giants weren't going to take Baker. The jets were going to take Baker. Did you consider taking Saquon Barkley at four since he's on the board? No, because I think the benefit of hindsight shows you that there are a lot of very good running backs in this draft class. I think there are at least four guys that we could see go in the first round, and that's after having seen a year to look at them. Like Saquon will go in the first round, and then Nick Chubb didn't get a lot of carries early in the season for some reason. Sonny Michelle was another guy. And by the way, Philip Lindsay, uh, a 1,000-yard rusher, didn't even get drafted in the first round, so he's still available if we went full, like, full 2018 redraft I would try to grab one of those guys with one of those early second round picks just like they did uh, Darius guys is still on the board too uh who didn't get to play this year all right I'm up the Broncos at five they originally took Bradley Chubb he's off the board and I'm gonna do what John Elway should have 
and draft a quarterback. I'm taking Josh Rosen. I think he would be a much better fit in Denver. Not that that offensive line is much better than Arizona's, but it is better. Uh, they have a run game there. Well, they, I guess they wouldn't with Philip Lindsay because we're redrafting it, but the, it's a better situation than Arizona was. And I, I think better coaches uh, as well for Josh Rosen. I had him as my fourth quarterback headed into the draft, uh, or no, excuse me, my third quarterback headed into the draft. He comes off the board here as QB three. Uh, I just think the fit's too good, especially with Bradley Chubb off the board. I agree with you yeah. too. Uh, the one thing that the Broncos really still need to address is quarterback. Case Keenum is just, he's not a guy that's going to do it consistently for you. He's a great backup. And I think he's kind of a stopgap guy that can get you over the hump, but they still need a franchise quarterback. Yeah. It's hard to get fired where you were a legend but it can happen. And I think John Elway has to be feeling the heat. I'm very curious to see how proactive Denver is in this draft to get a quarterback. If they are, I'm just very curious. You got to get it done at some point. Number six, the Colts on the clock after they made that trade with the Jets to go from three to six. Say it worked out pretty well for them. They took Quentin Nelson. Uh, I'm not smarter than Chris Ballard. I'm taking <laughs> Quentin Nelson. <laughs> it's that easy. I honestly thought about him at two, and I thought about him at five. But quarterback, yeah, you can make is just, the case. Quarterback's just so important. I honestly think he's rookie of the year, but it won't happen. I was gonna bring that up. Like I think he should, guys. First team All Pro. He's probably the best guard in the NFL. I think he is. It's like, yeah. It's him or Zach Martin. Right, for the best guard in the NFL. Yeah. He should be the rookie of the year. He's the best left guard in the NFL. We'll just say it that, say it that way. All right, Melo, you're back up. The Bills at seven took Josh Allen. Your boy, you Josh Allen. You owe a tattoo still. <laughs> Never going to let that go. Who are you taking for the Bills? Uh, so, obviously, the Bills need a lot on offense, and they did take Josh Allen at number seven overall. And I think they are going to stick with quarterback. They need somebody who's athletic that can make plays out of the pocket because they don't have a lot of other targets. Shady McCoy was not himself this year. or Well, maybe he was, because we've kind of seen some decline in his game. Uh, so they need somebody that can really be their offense. So they are going to stick with quarterback, and I'm going to give them Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know I know he Hot looked takes. terrible on Sunday. A uh, little peek behind the curtain. We did this mock draft before the game on Sunday. Uh, but Lamar Jackson has looked much better than what I thought he would. So I am going to give the Bills a quarterback that I think can do it all. We saw Josh Allen lead the league in quarterback rushing. I think if you put a guy like Lamar Jackson in in that situation, he's going to go for over 1,000 yards in that offense, just running for his life constantly. Well, he's he probably rushed for more yards than he throws for in that offense. I, we have the hindsight today, yes, yes, of seeing him play on Sunday. Oh, man, the Chargers. And he got some yards late in the game that kind of yeah. made his stat line look better. But my Lord, he was struggling early in that and game. And I really, and I'm not a Lamar Jackson supporter. I would have drafted him at receiver. But I don't think that the offense did him any favors on Sunday. No. He was not throwing the ball down the field, and the Chargers had a very good game plan. And it seemed like at the end of the game, they really opened things up and let him take advantage of some deep balls. And it looked much better. I think if they would have done that the entire game, it would have been a whole different football game. Number eight, the Chicago Bears, a team that's actually on on the TV behind us as we're recording this Sunday night. They took Roquan Smith, who had an interception and an amazing return, but it got called back. Uh, apparently, he was down by contact. But you got to see the athleticism of Roquan Smith, and it's like a reminder why this dude was a top 10 pick. He was my number one linebacker, and he is not who I'm picking for the Chicago Bears. I want Darius Leonard. Like Connor said, 
I'm not smarter than Chris Ballard. I had Darius Leonard as the number 77 player overall in this draft. Here I am taking him at number eight overall. The Colts had a ridiculous draft. They drafted two all-pro players. As rookies, yeah. two all-pro players. There were no one in this room, the three of us combined, are not smarter than Ballard. That's probably one of the all-time great drafts. Three of their picks are in the our redraft here. Just right, from yeah. that draft. Three of their picks made the first round of our redraft. So I think they did pretty damn good. All right, moving on to the Niners, Matt's Niners. They made a nice pick here with Mike McGlinchey that they not really a lot did. of people saw. It's a nice pick, but guess who's still on the board? First team all pro Derwin James is still on the board. I know the Niners have taken a lot of players in the secondary over the years, but this is just a game changing kind of talent. And I think they did the smart thing to get, even though in hindsight, it didn't work out because Jimmy G got hurt, but they got a guy that can protect him for the future. I just think you can't pass up. The NFL made a mistake letting Derwin James fall as far as he did. We're not going to do it here. He's going in the top 10, number nine to San Francisco. I'm not mad about it, Connor. I'm really not. I, I like Mike McGlinchey. It's great to have him as the right tackle now. And eventually, I think he'll be the left tackle when Joe Staley retires. But uh, like Mello said, you watch the Chargers and their game plan for Lamar Jackson. Most of their game plan was Derwin James. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, that's play it. middle linebacker. Yeah. We think he'll run okay. here. Play outside linebacker. God, no, he's their Jamal Adams. He that's is. what the, he is. He, those long fucking arms of his are... It's, he reminded me of a more athletic Troy Polamalu. Like he's all over the field. He's playing in the run game. He's doing things in the pass game. He's And he did it all season. It wasn't just Sunday either. I'm up now. Let's get off our Derwin James takes because I think we could all talk about him all day long. I'm responsible for the Arizona Cardinals and the number 10 pick overall where we saw them take Josh Rosen. But Rosen is off the board already. And even though this would put Josh Allen in the top 10 and I would still have to get that stupid tattoo I've been avoiding, (laughs) I am going to draft Josh Allen. I think they really came into that draft wanting a quarterback and needing a quarterback. So they still have to go get one. So number 10 overall, I will take Josh Allen. I, You guys know I was for a long time Josh Allen's biggest fan and supporter. I actually think that he played better this year. I know we've talked about this on the show before than a lot of people realize and, and maybe want to give him credit for like Josh Rosen in a very bad situation with not much around him. So I do believe he belongs in the top 10 here. The Miami Dolphins are on the clock at number 11 overall. They took Minka Fitzpatrick, one of our favorite players from last year's draft. All three of us loved this guy. I, I would assume he was in all of our top 10s. Right? Oh, I, yes. I, I loved him. Yeah. Okay. Just safely assume that. I felt like he was a steal at 11. I'm going to keep this pick the same. Mika Fitzpatrick comes back. And I, I know that he kind of had a quiet year, was maybe overshadowed by Derwin James in some respects, but he is very, very talented. And as the Dolphins look to go forward, he would be the guy I would want to build my defense around. No quarterback here that I would draft since you guys took Josh Allen. I, I still think that's their biggest need, but Minka is the right type of leader and athlete that you want in that secondary. And I totally agree with you, and I'm still in love with this guy. I, I don't know that the Dolphins really used him the way that they could have. I think he could have had a Derwin James type impact if the Dolphins would have let him. Yeah, he was awesome. Flat out awesome. And Matt, you just made me go look back at my board. He was number seven. So I think uh, Stick to Football had a lot of love for Minka Fitzpatrick. Number 12, this might be the steal of the redraft. The Bucs took Vita Vea here, who, you know, had struggled getting on the field, did flash towards the end of the year there, had some really nice performances. But Saquon Barkley's still on the board. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how. <laughs> I, I know. It is kind of, we got a little cheeky. But 
listen, Saquon Barkley is one of the best players to come out of this draft class. No matter how you slice it. But running backs fall sometimes. He didn't this year because Dave Gettleman was in love. The Bucs need a running back. And I, the Ronald Jones pick did not pay any dividends year one. So we're going to go back in time here and they get Saquon, Saquon Barkley at 12. And that would have been a home run for them. So congrats I, in our little fantasy land. Congrats. To I wonder how different Jameis Winston would look with a guy like Saquon Barkley behind him. You know, I mean, and honestly, especially like, if they hire Bruce Arians. Right. This oh, year. Jesus Christ. It, it is funny that Saquon, who was the unquestioned number one player in the draft, falls to 12. But that's what happens when five quarterbacks go in the top 11 picks. Got good players get pushed down the board. So, Mello, you're up 13. The Redskins. And went, I, I would have jumped all over Saquon at this part right here. But oh, the God, Redskins yeah. did take Deron Payne. And I don't hate that pick, but I'm also going to give them some playmakers. I thought they needed some. I'm going with Calvin Ridley. Uh, had a very impressive season with Atlanta. Caught 10 touchdown passes this year. They need some targets for what Alex Smith was. I think Calvin Ridley could have fit in nicely, and maybe we would have been talking about them as a playoff team if they had Calvin Ridley and Alex Smith didn't get hurt. Yeah, I love Calvin Ridley. Uh, he was, and we'll talk about this a lot with the 2019 draft. There are so many good players that are just going to get overlooked because they might be a little older or their stats might not match up with what you think they should be. Like his brother, Riley Ridley or Chase Hansen in Utah. There are a lot of guys that um, definitely fit that mold of what Ridley did. So I like that for the Redskins. He and Josh Doxson would be a, a pretty fun duo there. 14, the Saints, they traded up to this spot and gave up their 2019 first-rounder. They took Marcus Davenport. We didn't really see much from him this year. Pretty quiet year. He was a developmental guy. They could have had Brian Erlacher 2.0 in Leighton Vander Esch, and that's who I'm taking. It put him in the middle of this defense. It is a completely different crew. I mean, his ability and pass coverage is stopping the run. We had him uh, as one of our favorite players in the draft. We had him on the show leading up to last year. Uh, I loved his play, and putting him in that Saints defense with what they already have around him would be just a blast to see. Yeah, him and yeah, him and Demario Davis would have been absolutely ridiculous together. This group of linebackers is really probably not even talked about enough. It's it's a very special group last year that they had. I, I was so glad you made the Erlacher comparison, Matt, because uh, during the Cowboys game. Me and my friends made like a drinking stipulations game a half hour before kickoff, all the rules, and we each picked a long shot. And if the long shot hit, you didn't just took it, take a sip. You chug a full beer or shotgun a beer. And my long shot was if the broadcast compared him to Brian Erlacher. So oh. we were like on edge <laughs> during that. So it was a lot of fun. Um, what a great, And it was a great season for Vander Esch. Yeah. I mean, like you said, all those linebackers have made an impact. All right, Oakland Raiders took Colton Miller here. We were not quiet about it. It was one of our least favorite picks of the entire draft. We're here to change that. Mike McGlinchey's still on the board, the actual good tackle in this class. So, uh, you know, the Raiders, pretty crazy hire that I haven't gotten to talk to you guys about much with Mike Mayock in there. And I'm curious to see. I hope he gets to speak his voice to John Gruden and really help out with all these draft picks they have coming up because we, we, you know, we weren't quiet about it. We didn't love their draft last year, but they really have a, a chance to turn things around with the, all these first round picks coming up. Yeah, it is going to be uh, crazy to see. And I didn't like Colt Miller. I think getting McGlinchey would be a freaking steal for them because it, he probably would have started at left tackle, which is where he played at Notre Dame most often. Uh, that would be like a smart pick. Very smart pick for them. Um, God, it's like they were destined to not get a great player in last year's draft. And even when the redraft comes around, like McGlinchey was really good, but 
Like so many great players, and they just miss out. Yeah, just just solid. Uh, Melo, you're up again with the, the yeah, Bills. I think you're right. It's like the tier dips right there. It, yeah, it's like at oh. number 14 overall. Like you're seeing these Pro Bowl level guys, all pro in some sorts, and then it's the Raiders turn. Yeah, it's but like, I, how good would Van Der Esch be in Oakland? Oh, I mean, he. I think he'd be great anyway. Yeah, I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope they get Devin White in this draft and really set a new tone. For that, the middle of that defense, yeah. make well, up for it. We'll have to go back and see where Mike Mayock had him rated. We'll find out if that's going to happen or not. I, I wonder if they've deleted all of his, like anything he's put out this year so far. I hadn't seen him actually put anything out. He kind of does it later okay. in the year. So I think they're safe. Yep. All right. Well, I'm up with the uh, Buffalo Bills again. And um, they went linebacker here with Tremaine Edmonds. And I'm going to stick with linebacker too, but I'm going to give him Roquan Smith, who I think had a very good year. And it was a part of a legendary defense, and that's probably why we didn't talk about him uh, quite as much. He's still very athletically gifted, and I think he could run the middle of this Bills defense, kind of like what he's doing in the Bears, but he won't have that many playmakers around him. He's going to be the alpha dog in this defense, and that's what the Bills need. Yeah, they really do. I loved Tremaine Edmonds. I had him ranked higher than guys like Roquan Smith, Van Der Ash, Darius Leonard. We'll see. I mean, he had a good year. Uh, I think we'll st- still are yet to see what he can become as a, a you know three down impact guy. I comped him to Anthony Barr, so I liked that pick. I liked that pick so much that I'm up at 17 for the Chargers, and if Derwin James is off the board, I'm going to give them Tremaine Edmonds because, it, like like Connor said, Derwin James is their Jamal Adams. He plays in the box more than he doesn't. I think Tremaine Edmonds can do a lot of the same types of things as a coverage linebacker, taking away the middle of the field. So with Roquan gone, Van Der Esch gone, and both safeties, uh, Minka and Derwin gone, I, I got to go with my guy Tremaine Edmonds here. This is the point of the redraft for the teams that got it right with steals actually end up not having. Oh, as you much just fun. get penalized. Yeah, yeah, you're like, damn. So, but uh, okay, the Packers here they took Jire Alexander at 18, which probably surprised some people. He was awesome this year. Yep. He was healthy. He was feisty. He's nasty in coverage. He comes down hills and tackles. Great job uh, by the guy we call Mr. G on this show. I really like this pick, and I'm not getting away from it. Green Bay takes Jair Alexander again. I like it, too, and I think that we haven't seen his best game yet. I think he's really trending towards a big breakout sophomore season where we're going to talk about him as being a great shutdown corner. Uh, For me, I'm up. The Cowboys are picking, and I will tell you, if they're redrafting, the Cowboys fans are going to hate any pick that I take here (laughs) because they picked Leighton Vander Esch, who has been an exceptional talent at linebacker for them this year. So I'm going to go ahead and try to get another linebacker who did very good. Uh, This is, I think, our first guy who wasn't drafted in the first round. I'm going to go with Fred Warner. The Niners picked him up, and he played great for them all season. So if the Cowboys need a linebacker, they can go ahead and get another one right here. Uh, I would like to, once again on this show, eat my shoe because I was so wrong about Fred Warner. You're right. He's been fantastic for the 49ers. I mean, uh, with all the shit that happened with Reuben Foster, like he stepped in and played great. They got him in the third round. He was picked 70 overall. I had him ranked at 139. Like I thought he was a fourth round player. Just, you know, was never overwhelmed by his game. So a huge get by the Niners. We have shit on John Lynch and that staff a lot for some of the uninspiring picks they've made. But with McGlinchey and Warner, it seems like they've hit on a couple guys from that 2018 class. So uh, I really like that pick for you and for them, especially with all the other linebackers gone. 20, the Detroit Lions took Connor's guy, Frank Ragnow. 
I'm going to continue on the offensive line, but I'm going to take Isaiah Wynn. I always felt like he was the better player. The Patriots ended up drafting him a little bit later in the class. Um, I think he is a fantastic player at left tackle, but kicking him inside to guard, I mean, he's about 6'3", great power, great athleticism. He would be, in my opinion, a Pro Bowl-type guard next year, so in his second year, if they kicked him inside. So I'm going to go with Isaiah Wynn to try to do something to help that offense in Detroit. Yeah, I love that pick. I think if he didn't get hurt, he would have been a real impact player in New England. I'm looking back. I had, for all the love I had for Frank the Tank, I actually had him two spots behind Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn, 16th, Frank the Tank at 18. I mean, both guys can really be... It, just guys that'll that'll destroy in the run game, but Win was athletic enough where even though he was shorter, I think he'll find success at tackle one day too. Cincinnati Bengals twenty first overall, they took Billy Price here. I'm gonna go with a guy that was not taken in the first round. Another mean mauler on that Colts line that's filled in and done a great job right away. Braden Smith. I mean. This is now the third player from the Colts draft that's gone in the redraft in that top 21 picks. Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, no brainers. Braden Smith, though, it's crazy how quiet things have actually been around him. I guess that's because of Quentin Nelson, but this guy has been awesome this year. And it's going to be a really interesting era for this Cincinnati team because they're, you know, the Marvin Lewis era is finally over. I think he did have a big say in personnel. Uh, you know, just some rumor mill turning here, guys. I've heard Vance Joseph is oh. one of the front runners for that job. I, I, I think they're going to have to be a little more creative than that. I hope they. I think Vance is a really good coach, but I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. I, I don't think he was a great head coach in Denver, but he might get a second chance. So it's, I'm very curious to see the future of this Bengals era. But that's just one rumor that I've heard over the weekend. Be having the time of his life eating Skyline Chili. That's <laughs> that's great. Never gets old. Skyline Chili is so bad, by the way. Just want to put that out there, I don't, too. I don't see why it's like a special thing. Like, it's just, it's chili. I don't, I don't know. It's not even good chili. I don't get it. As a guy who loves chili, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. But I'm up at pick number 22. And, Connor, I love that pick of Braden Smith. Uh, a guy that we thought was going to be an elite-level guard comes and plays right tackle for them. And Andrew Lux has just has to be Chris Ballard's best friend right now, doing anything he can for that guy with all that protection he has. The Tennessee Titans are up at number 22 where they took Rashawn Evans. And I think they're happy with that pick. But I'm actually going to give them a guy that they got a little later in the draft because they need some edge rush help, especially going into this next year. They still need help. But I think they're happy with Harold Landry, who they picked in the second round. He only had four and a half sacks, but that was part of a rotational thing. They had Brian Arakpo. They had Morgan there. I think that they would still want to get him, and they don't want to miss out on him. So I'm going to give them Harold Landry here instead of Rashawn Evans. Yeah, and Harold Landry would have been a top 20 player had there not been the concerns about injury with him that pushed him down Excuse me, to the second round. So uh, you do a great job getting a, a hell of a player there uh, for them, making sure they keep Mike Vrabel is going to want him. Yeah, Vrabel needs him. He needs a quarterback, too. Number 23, the New England Patriots, the first of their two picks. They drafted Isaiah Wynn. He's off the board. I wouldn't have taken him anyway because Marcus Davenport is still available. We talked about this earlier. He was a project player coming out of UT San Antonio. Uh, had fantastic twitch, long body, but he only had four and a half sacks this year. And I think some people kind of forgot about him because of the fact that he really was expected to develop and not have a huge impact early in the year. We'll see if he can get cooking in the playoffs a little bit for the Saints. But uh, I love him in New England. They know how to develop pass rushers there. They already have a fairly good uh, defensive line, excuse me, in New England. 
So maybe not the biggest need in the world, but they haven't had anyone like this. Like Trey Flowers is good. Dietrich Weiss is good. Uh, I still like Derek Rivers potential, but I think Marcus Davenport is a potential difference maker at defensive end. All right. Next up, the Carolina Panthers here. They took DJ Moore, kind of an inconsistent rookie season. There was flashes. They recognized they need weapons for Cam. I'm going a different route here. A guy that didn't go in the first round, but played like a first rounder all season. Justin Reed. I, what a great year for the Texans, you know, coming out of Stanford. I think he would have been an impact player for that Panthers secondary. And I, I just think he's just a better player than DJ Moore overall in this board. I think he's a guy that he just fell a little bit too far. He doesn't get the same kind of rookie hype because Derwin James was so good this year. But Justin Reed, quietly, very, very good for Houston. Yeah, hard hitter. My God, he oh, loves he's to physical. Hit. Yeah, and uh, this would team him up with his brother, Eric, who plays safety for them. So there That's you right. go. Should have just made it happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. Them both would have made way too much sense. Shirt up your safety spot. I'm up uh, for the Ravens, and I've already taken Lamar Jackson off the board. Uh, but I'm not going to go with quarterback. I'm not going to reach there. I think they still need targets, and they came into last year's draft really wanting a tight end. So they took Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is available here, but I'm going to go with another tight end who I actually think had a better year than them. I'm going to give him Mark Andrews, <laughs> who they did get later in the draft, but I think that he has shown that he's a more valuable tight end than even Hayden Hurst on his own team. So they wanted a tight end. They got their tight end. They're just going to draft him sooner. Yeah, they took Andrews in the third round, Hurst in the first, and he's Andrews has definitely been the better player. You've taken two Oklahoma players. See, I'm not as ruined. I'm not as biased as like everybody thinks I'm like, I will talk shit on them, but I also respect like their game. Okay, there we go. 26 Atlanta Falcons got a steal in Calvin Ridley and and he, you know, maybe fizzled out a little bit at the end of the year once some of the problems on the Falcons offense were known, but he had a fantastic season, unfortunately not on the board. So I have to go a different route. I'm going to try to fix their defensive line uh, because going into this offseason, that's this team's biggest need. We've connected them to a lot of guys like Rashawn Gary. We've connected them to uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Let's just give them Deron Payne. He's exactly what they need on the D-line. The the Redskins actually took him at number 13 overall. So here he is 13 picks later than he was actually drafted. I think he's an absolute steal at this spot and could be someone while they have those athletic guys on the edge. He's someone that could really shore up the middle. And I really liked Deron Payne, too, and I was responsible for the Redskins pick. I just felt like they already had some of those interior guys on the defensive line, but he is a perfect fit for what the Falcons needed. And they might lose Grady Jarrett in free agency this offseason. So you you just got to continue to keep restocking an area like that. The Seahawks, this was probably the pick that just made no sense to me. Colton Miller in this one, not to just continuously kill the Raiders or the Seahawks and and revisit that. But they took Rashad Penny. It seemed like a reach at a position where whatever. We're going to go Philip Lindsay here, get a way better running back that let's just be real. We all missed him. Oh, everybody in the world. Everybody in the world. Miss Philip Lindsay. And if you have any safe tweets saying that he should have been a top 50 pick, send them my way and and you get the crown. But (laughs) Philip Lindsay finds his way into the first round. A fantastic season. What a find. This is John Elway's, I mean, it's his, it's his best. It might find. save his it's job. Just, it really might. This guy was awesome. He was a great playmaker. He's got speed and vision. 
I would have loved if Seattle took him. I if they did, I would have said what the fuck at the time because I wouldn't have understood it. <laughs> but they might have actually been. They might still be playing in the playoffs if they had a guy like this. I mean, yeah. the dude rushed for one thousand yards on a team that could barely even throw the ball this year. If they actually had some kind of threat, pair him up with Russell Wilson. You can't see who's in the backfield. Who knows who has the football? They might both rush for a yeah. thousand yards. It's amazing. He, I mean, and he only started eight games, and he went over a thousand yards. Uh, I had him at 295 overall, guys. So, so big undrafted, fan. big big fan of Philip Lindsay. I was. Fine. I mean, you were you were accurate on where he got drafted. If that makes you feel any accurate. better. Uh, so I'm uh, Mello. You're actually up. The Seahawks at 27 and the Steelers at 28 were the two probably picks in the first round that confused me the most because it was Rashad Penny uh, and then Terrell Edmonds went to the Steelers at 28 and he actually started for them at safety, but. I don't think any of us thought he was going to be a first-rounder. No, I think maybe they just saw his brother come off the board and panicked. And they're like, oh, yeah, that guy was on our board. Let's take him. Maybe they freaked out and thought for a second, like, holy shit, That's somebody else <laughs> took Terrell Edmonds. And no, it's not. It was Tremaine. <laughs> but they did need some safety help, and I think they can still get it. Let's just give him a little better option. I love what Jesse Bates was able to do this year, and I kind of viewed him as more of a single high safety coming out of the draft. Yeah. But I think he is a do-it-all safety who can just – roam and make plays if you want him to play over the top he can and the Steelers needed some playmakers on defense and so they'll get one here yeah if this were me I would actually pick Dante Jackson from LSU who had a very good year at corner but I agree safety is a huge need for the Steelers and we really didn't see much from Edmonds at all uh I'm up at 29 the Jacksonville Jaguars they took Taven Bryan uh they did not take Lamar Jackson which I think they probably regret right now he's not on the board for me unfortunately when I look at the team now, again, we have hindsight. Leonard Fournette, they've voided his guarantees. He could be on the way out. And this team was at its best when they had a strong run game. And I know they got banged up this year, so you can't you can't just blame Fournette for that. But I'm going to take Nick Chubb because I think they need that strong, pounding identity on offense. Nick Chubb, to me, looks like Frank Gore. Like, that's, that's who he is. Like, this patient, great vision, can make himself tough. small through creases, very, very tough, will just pick up four or five yards every time, never falls backward, put Nick Chubb on Jacksonville, and I think that looks like a different team. Taven Bryan, I understood the pick. It was like, it's a future need. They're, they're a pretty old D-line. They want to get younger, more athletic, but Nick Chubb would make this a better team right now. Both guys also recovered from huge college football injuries. Yeah. And both might go on to almost be Hall of Famers. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings, obviously a bit of a letdown this season after a gigantic offseason. I loved their pick at the time in Mike Hughes. I wouldn't change this pick because I think he's going to be a star corner or could be a star corner. This was great value. But he did miss pretty much the whole year, which is a complete, obviously, disappointment. So if you want me to make a different pick that could have had an impact this year, I'm going to give them Chris Herndon, who went in the top of the fourth round and was actually the best rookie tight end this year. He, you know, him and Sam Darnold have had a great connection. He caught uh, about 40 passes for over 500 yards, four touchdowns, and he wasn't even really the guy going into the season. This was late in the season. He can be a star. I would have loved to see Minnesota with Kirk Cousins run Kyle Rudolph and another tight end in a two tight end set. I think that's their bread and butter. And, you know, they should have had Rudolph even more involved this year. So I stick with the Mike Hughes pick. But if you want to get creative, I can make an argument that Minnesota should still be looking for a a pass catching tight end threat across from Kyle Rudolph. 
Yeah, no complaints there. I, I really like it. I mean, Herndon, you got to see him firsthand for your Jets. So, yeah, that would be. He was uh, fantastic. It would be a very, very nice addition for them. Mello, you're up with the Patriots. New England Patriots, pick number 31 overall. Let's just keep it the same. They hit on Sony <laughs> Michelle. I think he just needed to stay healthy. He is what they needed in that offense, and it's it's the pick they're going to stay with right here. Yeah, no arguments there. He did get started a little late this year. It, it seemed like because of some injuries, but I, I do like his game a lot. Uh, number 32, uh, this is a tough one. The Baltimore Ravens are up again. Uh, no Lamar Jackson. He was already drafted. Uh, Mello, you drafted for them a tight end in Mark Andrews. I'm going to take for them a receiver in Anthony Miller. Like They have to get better at wide receiver. Uh, it's an area where I think we saw in the playoffs they struggle because, like you said, they didn't have a downfield threat. Anthony Miller would give them something close to what they had with Steve Smith. Maybe not as tough, but still that explosive threat over the middle. Somebody that can open up, open up the offense. And who knows what they would have done at quarterback in this situation. Um, they would have had to address it in the 2019 draft where there are a couple guys. But uh, it, that, like you guys said, when you hit on somebody late and you do a redraft, they're not going to be there anymore. So you got to get creative. I, Anthony Miller uh, was a player we all liked. And to see him go to the first round just speaks to how good he was as a rookie for the Bears. All right, that's our show, guys. That's our redraft. I'm pretty happy with it. You guys listening, let us know. Tweet at us. Leave it in your iTunes review. What's your favorite pick of the redraft? Um, mine, actually, I think is Derwin James to the Niners. Oh, I'm already Ooh. getting hate on Twitter for the Derwin James yeah, stuff. Yeah. So uh, happy to do that Maybe for you. I should clarify. I love Troy Polamalu. Uh, <laughs> I think he was so much more instinctual than he was athletic. I, like, I would say Ed Reed was more athletic. Right. Yeah, uh, that was not meant to be a slight on Troy Polamalu. I think he's uh, probably a top five safety all time and a great player who changed that defense. And I think that's what we're seeing so far with Derwin James in San Diego. The, anytime you talk about a great player and someone being like that, fans of the great player get the biggest wedgie ever. And they do. And they're just like, you oh, can't yeah. ever. Comp-. Like if somebody's like, I get it with Revis. I, I admit it all the time. I get I, it with Revis. I compared Michael Thomas's stats to Jerry Rice's. And people were like, you're a fucking idiot. You're blind. <laughs> Have you ever watched football? I'm like number one, I became a football fan because of Jerry Rice. Okay. I still own the Jersey. <laughs> I got pictures all over my fucking office. And then number two, Rice had more like targets Compared to Michael, like Michael Thomas is at a great start. I'm not saying he's Jerry Rice. Just saying. Yeah, he's, yeah you did. Yeah, yeah. I think he's Jerry Rice. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like I picked Kyler Murray to win the Heisman. God damn. People don't listen. That's my favorite. <laughs> the, the only rule of the redraft is you, you can get mad at us for just about everything. It's fine. You get angry. I, it's okay. We're here for that. We're here for you. You can't get mad at us if we didn't take a, the player you liked because he's gone. Yeah, like that's right. the, that's the only rule. Like if you're a Chargers fan, you can't get mad at Matt taking Tremaine Edmonds because Derwin James is long gone. Should have been long gone. That's the only rule to redraft. I love it. We should have set these rules out in the beginning, but oh well. Hopefully you all listen to the end of the show to get it. Uh, no draft on draft this week uh, just because we we don't want to put out an hour and a half show uh, every time we do a podcast. We know some of you guys uh, don't have uh, as long of a commute to listen to that. We'll get back on the draft on draft stuff. 
the Wednesday morning show. Connor and I will be together in studio uh, in BR New York rec- recording. My gosh, not recruiting. Recording, recruiting. together. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be a great show. Uh, we will probably still be hungover after watching the national championship game together Monday night. So Us? No. No, no, no way. I'm looking forward to it. Then Melo and I will be back uh, Friday morning for our normal hijinks. So it'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you guys have subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. And we'll talk to you all in just a couple days. Thank you.